Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So let us begin. So we start this 20 off in the heat of battle. Uh, Yoda has just landed with a bunch of clones and their wrecking shop. Dooku didn't really see this coming, and as a result, he's got to flee. Yeah, at this point, kind of all hell is breaking loose. The Jedis are getting the heck out of there. They've jumped aboard uh, Yoda and uh, all of the other crafters that uh, aircrafts that he's flown into Geonosis. And there's something of a chase taking place while on the grounds of Geonosis, uh, proper warfare is starting to ensue. They're also trying to specifically hunt down Count Dooku, that is the Jedi, Avec Padme. But something happens where Padme is knocked off into the sand. Anakin wants to go back to rescue her, but Obi-Wan says, we absolutely do not have time for that. And eventually after some back and forth, Anakin agrees that that's probably wise. Yeah, he agrees that Padme would do the same. She would do her duty first. Uh, and so they agree they're going to go after Dooku. Uh, they can't, Obi-Wan couldn't do it alone. Uh, there's an awesome droid battle happening on the ground that Yoda's overseeing. Uh, they get to a hangar that they've been following Dooku into. Uh, they whip out their lightsabers, or their temporary ones at least. Uh, Obi-Wan, like a reasonable person, says, we'll, we'll tackle them together. Anakin, like a fucking idiot, says, "Let's. <laughs> I'm going to go in. I'm going to attack them right now. Uh, there's a little battle. Uh, and then... Uh, he gets electrocuted. <laughs> That's right. He knocks Anakin to the side for a few minutes. So Obi-Wan steps in. They have a little back and forth. Dooku then bests Obi-Wan, although not in any kind of catastrophic way. He just kind of singes his sides a little bit. That knocks Obi-Wan down just in time for Anakin to fly into the frame one more time. And there's yet another one-on-one uh, -on -one duel, which ultimately ends in Anakin's uh, arm being severed. Yeah, so Anakin jumps in at the perfect time that saves Obi-Wan's life, but it loses a limb for him. And so Obi-Wan is out because he's been essentially sliced at the, in the joints, uh, like the elbow and the knee, so he can't move much. Uh, and then we see this shadowy figure emerge, and Yoda emerges and does some banter with Dooku. Uh, they throw some uh, lightning back and forth and some shade back and forth. Uh, and then they decide to switch uh, to lightsabers because their abilities with the Force are not something that can be uh, can be tested. And then it gets real crazy, and we see uh, some some combat with a lightsaber from Yoda for the first time ever, and it's kind of ridiculous. Yes. And uh, ultimately, uh, Dooku kind of gets scared away, and they're able to square themselves away, um, and uh, pretty much everybody goes back to, to Coruscant. Is that right? Yep. They all kind of go back to Coruscant. Dooku uh, in some other part of Coruscant, uh, and uh, the Jedi go back to the Jedi Temple. And Anakin and Padme go to Naboo, uh, unbeknownst to the rest of the Jedi Council, to get married. Exactly. So that's the 20. They get married. Um, kind of all hell's broken loose and begun the Clone Wars has. I have to admit that without the clones, it would not have been a victory. Victory? Victory, you say? Master Obi-Wan, not victory. The Shroud of the Dark Side has fallen. Begun. The Clone War has. And uh, let's just say right off the top, I mean, that's the name of the episode. That yep. was the best quote of the 20. It was such It was such a great moment. I'm. Let's just do the quotes for the 20 right away, because I literally have three. 
Sure, sure. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot because there was so much action taking place, but it was it was Obi-Wan and Mace Windu and Yoda in that council room where weirdly only Yoda's chair is. They moved all the other chairs out. Yeah, that's and, funny. And specifically, Yoda says, victory, victory, you say? Master Obi-Wan, not victory. The shroud of the dark side has fallen, begun the Clone War has. Yeah, that is a damn good line. It's so good. What other quotes did you have? Uh, the only two I have are uh, much to learn you still have when Dooku tries to like show off and it's really, yeah. really pretty pathetic compared to what Yoda can do. And Yoda kind of lets him know it, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. when Anakin engages in a little bit of banter with Dooku, uh, I'm a slow learner. Uh when he says, when essentially he says, I forget what he says directly to Anakin, but um, when Anakin jumps back in the fight to save Obi-Wan's life, and ultimately, Dooku was right. <laughs> Most of the best dialogue in this 20 involved Dooku in some way. Master Kenobi, you disappoint me. Yoda holds you in such high esteem. Uh, you can do better, I think he then says. Yeah, the you um, disappoint me is, is a good line. It is, yeah. It, it is, is obvious. obvious that this contest cannot be decided by our knowledge of the Force. But by our skills with a lightsaber. Which is cool. This is kind of weird. Like, I, I don't, I always get a little uncomfortable when they say the word lightsaber. And I shouldn't because it's obviously better than laser sword. Yeah. But for some reason, I just prefer if they call it a weapon. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I, I don't know why, but I kind of agree with you. Uh, I think there are a few characters who can say it. And Obi-Wan is one of them. Yep, Qui Gon can say it as well. Well, Obi Wan can say it because in the when it's first ever said in A New Hope, yeah. he says it almost with a little bit of whimsy. Like he says it like this is a word you've never heard before. This is your father's lightsaber. It's like it's a definition, and there it's perfectly acceptable. But yeah. when you work some of these corny words, and yes, lightsaber is part of like the the modern Western vernacular. When you when you work some of these words into really stentorian, stiff George Lucas dialogue. It sounds very corny. Oh, absolutely. That's why I actually don't. I don't have that as one of my good lines. I think that's a really lame line. <laughs> I think it could. I think in theory it's a fine line, and everybody knows Christopher De Christopher Lee is going to deliver it well. But it's just every bit of the execution on it is just lame, like you just said. A couple of interesting things about the movie Attack of the Clones. This was the uh, this was the last Star Wars movie to not be rated PG-13, hmm. which I found kind of interesting. It was the last Star Wars movie to be released on VHS. Yes, I did know that one. Uh, and it was the I can't believe I didn't know this. It was the first Star Wars movie to be shot digitally. And I did I know think that, yeah. That, I think that resolves a lot for me. There's something that separates The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, and it is visual, and it, it previously was uh ineffable i couldn't describe it and that is it it looks different yeah oh absolutely and it's noticeable between uh like attack of the clones and revenge of the sith have a very different look than the rest of the entire saga and they've recaptured some of the older look as digital technology has advanced that they've almost recreated the way it would be previously shot uh, to be able to give it that. I mean, film. Time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's the way that it's been done uh, in the prequels because it's so new. Uh, it's kind of just testing the boundaries. And it's, it just, it. I know what you mean. It, like, 
it goes all out. And George Lucas loves that he can have these big wars and such. But at the same time, because it's so extreme and on the ground, it is different from what we're used to with Star Wars. Like, I loved, loved, loved the the dust rising up from the ground and the blaster fire exchange where you couldn't see any of the droids but you could see that there was this awesome war and there was blasters going on back and forth but then as soon as you see the fucking droids it's like these are so lame <laughs> give me stormtroopers <laughs> or something better it's so funny you mention that specific visual because my biggest takeaway from this entire 20 is that uh, this is the first time in five Star Wars movies we have seen something that looks like war on Earth. Like, in the original trilogy, all the war takes place aerially. And in Phantom Menace, we do Endor. have a terrestrial war. Uh, oh, okay, that's fair. That's true. That is a little bit different. But it still doesn't really look like a war that has ever happened on Earth. Like, there's never been an Antarctic war. No, I mean, I, well, that would be Hoth, but no, like Endor at the end, it's it's kind oh, of like Endor, in, a, right. in a forest. But no, I, okay, I, I, I guess I, that kind of looks a little bit Vietnam esque. But what, uh, what exactly, I was getting at is I that know what you mean. We do finally have a, a, a more a traditionally terrestrial mm. war in in Phantom Menace, but that's almost too pristine on on Naboo. Well, it's also kind of funny because you can look at the way it's reflective of the times. Uh, at that specific time, the U.S. was at war with the Middle East, and this is a war taking place in a sandy area. Uh, yeah. And as you could see, the Vietnam, that aligns well with the timeline of the original trilogy and Endor, which is literally what Vietnam is, like, Endor is based on Vietnam. So it's interesting that you use that as the comparison, because I, 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 it, it really does align well with the times. And then you look at the sequel trilogy, it doesn't so much. <laughs> so that's kind of an it's, interesting one, unless maybe it's just mirroring even further ahead in time. And, and in a couple of years, we're going to go to war at some <laughs> we, we, weird, weird place that has a giant cannon drilled into the ground. That's right. And all these salt mines and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, I find it interesting that George, more than anybody, is the one who's always swearing these are kids' movies. Like, this movie was considered, uh, with the title, uh, Jar Jar's Big Adventure. Like, they're, they're like basically veggie tales in, <laughs> in George's head. That's and funny. yet, he's so obsessed with politics, which, of course, we've talked about ad nauseum at this point. But, like, he is actually creating uh, uh, political, um, uh, what's the word, where... Uh, uh, well, just stories that reflect uh, politics. Like I had mentioned a couple of 20s ago about how absurd it was that they just cough up all absolute power to Palpatine because mm -hmm. he asked for it in, in a single Senate vote. And I was like, that would never happen. And then I read today, that is based on Hitler's rise to power. That is exactly what happened with Hitler. And I believe George knew that. Oh, if if that is what happened, and I'm, I'm sure, like you just said, it was, and uh, I'm not as well-versed on my history uh, but that's but what like, a thing to put in a kids movie. No, but that's like that's really interesting, and I guarantee you, George knew that because he does like to show reflection of the times, and and that is that's really that's that that's interesting. Um, I'm curious to know if things like that are going to start to show up more in Star Wars, and it it, it really does. And I, and I don't want to because I, I I do love uh, that Disney has purchased Star Wars, and I love the new content that's being created and i think some people have captured elements of george lucas's star wars and some haven't but it, it is little things like this that remind you that george lucas's star wars did have something extra special about it prequels included yeah 
Yeah, that's true, but I don't. I, it's a really slippery slope, especially in 2019, to start creating uh, relevant allegories within Star Wars just for the sake of doing it. That said, uh, the current sequel trilogy is distinctly apolitical in the story. Like, there's way less talk about the Senate and stuff because I mean, the Senate doesn't exist. But like, yeah, they, they would be smart to start to incorporate that in a simpler, more basic, accessible way. Yep. No, I, I definitely agree on that notion. Um, I would love it if politics, and I think it's really stupid if politics doesn't play a role in episode nine in some capacity because the galaxy is in a totally different spot. You have this new supreme leader. This is because The Last Jedi took place like 12 minutes after The Force Awakens. We've not really seen the impact of having the entire governmental regime of the galaxy blown to smithereens right, so right. it only makes sense to bring politics back however um we haven't seen a shred of it in um in, in any uh, film or uh, or visual uh, only in the novels essentially is where you've seen any politics well and we see it uh militaristically like there's lots of talk about like general organa and like who who poe is respecting or disrespecting or the whole thing with holdo like that is political it but is it's, but it's the, so much more star warsy than it is but uh, the political backdrop political. is so much more rich than what people know and that leia was yeah. someone like for example and i'm i'm ready about to start bloodline and so i know this is kind of one of the main parts of, of that story it's it's about the conflict that she has with the New Republic in that she believes the First Order is amassing power and that their uh, lack of militaristic action is going to be the, the death of the galaxy. And she's kind of perceived as this warmongering lunatic and right. everything she says ends up coming true. So it, it, it really is kind of interesting in that she, she has a, a very... Uh, <laughs> She's kind of an unsung political uh, and and war hero in that capacity. So it's just it could be it could be more rich from a political perspective. Uh, it's just I guess all when the movies take place. And as much as the Last Jedi, I do like it. I think it is a little bit robbing of the trilogy to have it take yep. place just right after because it doesn't make it a trilogy the same way. It feels like it's one long ass movie and then another movie. You're right. It's not the traditional form of Star Wars progress. Yeah, and it, it does feel like the epicness of the journey that our characters are supposed to go on is no matter what going to be diminished. And the rumors are that it may be like a year that it, after that this month takes place, or maybe it's two or five or whatever. But like, if it's only a year, not a whole lot of progress can really happen in that time. And like, how different is the galaxy really going to be? So it remains to be seen. Right. Okay, now we have to talk about the essential end of movie lightsaber duel, uh, which of course we got to experience in this 20, which was uh, good. I guess it was stimulating. I actually think it it reflects what we previously said uh, about this movie being digital instead of being tactile mm -hmm. film. Oh, I yeah. think there was something really two-dimensional about this, about this duel. It was beautifully choreographed. Everybody showed up for it and did a good job. There was what I called last week lightsaber giddiness. There was like a new thing to see, a couple new things, in fact. There's oh, yeah. Anakin holding two lightsabers at once, which was really cool. There's Yoda, there's Christopher Lee at like 82 years old being such a badass. Like there were winning 
aspects of this duel, but there was something lacking in stakes. Do you agree? There was something 100%. that just kind of wasn't that nerve-wracking well, about and, it. It wasn't emotional. And that's been, and I've realized that as going through the saga again with you, and it's something that's probably my favorite realization about Attack of the Clones, and that it, I really firmly, firmly believe the the fundamental flaw in this movie, and it is slightly built off the fundamental flaw of Phantom Menace on Anakin's age, but is that it's just the wrong time. They didn't pick the yes. right point. This movie could have been great if the opening sequence is the end of this movie. It makes wow. way more sense to be that way. You don't have Dooku in it. You introduce whoever Grievous is going to be, so you have that other character. But like the end of this movie would be the perfect place to start the movie. <laughs> you don't feel like you would be missing something if you just showed up and all of a sudden the Clone Wars are happening? Because um, like we did learn a lot about the origins of those clones. I mean, yeah, maybe you can start it off where it's Anakin and Obi-Wan and they arrive on Kamino, similar to the way that Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are going to meet the Trade Federation, and it's a Jedi mission. And you have them chased by Jango Fett, right to Geonosis. You cut that ridiculous, uh, although it's still kind of cool, beast scene. Uh, you can make it so that this all takes place within the first 40 minutes of the movie, no problem. I think I agree. They were so fixated on making this movie largely about the love story, yep. which is okay. Like, there's always a, a component love story in Star Wars, but I don't think it's safe to make it your main storyline. That's an no. issue for people. No, and, th and that is true. It really does seem like the main storyline because Obi-Wan's is kind of like the B plot. And, it is. Uh, and yeah, because it's, it's supposed to be that, that progression in Anakin. We see a lot of it, but uh, I really do think, and the Clone Wars shows it in the sense that just the content of the Clone Wars was so rich. Uh, and yeah. in this movie, it's, there's some, uh, I do have to say, there are some great things, and I just, I probably had more best moments, uh, or won the 20s in this than any of the other ones for the entire movie, just because as much as there were things that, yeah, they were super digital, but there were some things there that were just profound in their impact on Star Wars in the long run. Um, okay, like what? Let's go through them. Uh, like, for example, my favorite one, and like my favorite, without a doubt, it won the 20 in the end for me, is the shot of Palpatine, uh, the future emperor, standing mm. next to Bail Organa, the future founder of the Rebel Alliance, uh, along with a few others, uh, looking over the first iteration of stormtroopers and the first iteration of star destroyers as the Imperial March plays in the background. Like, Absolutely. I was wondering if you're going to pick up on that. Like, like it's so interesting that oh they chose God. to incorporate the Imperial March in a sequence which is, as far as like a fairly naive viewer is supposed to see, only involving good guys. Like this, the clone troopers are still good guys at this point. Bail Organa is still a good guy. Yeah. And Palpatine in his Palpatine clothes is still a good guy. So it's very revealing that they're going to play that iconic bad guy anthem. Yeah. And it's like 22 years before A New Hope. And this is the start of the galaxy war that we all know and that we that has kind of started it all. So I just thought that was a moment that was really interesting on its impact for the prolonged elements of the story. And that's what's really nice about the elements of prequels. And also the bad part is because you know what happens, it's very nice when you like the way things fit and also the reason why so many people, including myself, to certain degrees, uh, are frustrated and dislike the prequels for the elements that come up short. <laughs> so uh, I just I think right. something like that. I thought it was a, it was a nod that was subtle, 
but really good because it was very rich yeah it was just it it had layers and it wasn't in your face like so much of the nostalgia is i wonder if it was a missed opportunity to not take from that sequence and a cue to then make episode three very much through the aesthetic lens of the original trilogy like you're you're absolutely right this is this is the genesis of the Star Wars you know and love. Now the next movie is going to look like the Star Wars you know and love. It should have been more so. And I th- and that was the thing that everybody, uh, and I don't know this because I remember the time, um, but through kind of uh, my findings, just over time, people had held out hope pretty hardcore for Revenge of the Sith being a, a good chunk of Darth Vader and that that scene was kind of indicating that could be what was coming and so some people were then really livid when revenge of the sith wasn't that uh i mean obviously the 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 really terrible no scream is bad but i'm okay with how little darth vader there is in that movie i would like it to be maybe a little bit more but not much more um and i'm okay with it not being darth vader wrecking shop as in like in in a suit um I'm okay. I, it would have been nice if we saw Anakin as Darth Vader maybe a little bit longer. Um, mm. Yeah, I, that that might be cool. But tell me about Force Lightning. Is Force Lightning exclusive to the dark side? Yes, that's so, about all I, I know. I mean, the, the the fact that 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 Count Dooku is using Force Lightning, he's got a red lightsaber, and like Yoda is like, I sense the dark side. I'm like, oh, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the the Dooku stuff is really stupid that they don't realize that he's Tyrannus yet. Yeah, they lay it on pretty thick. Well, and then in the end of the movie, he goes and he he rendezvous with with Sidious and he calls him Tyrannus like it's supposed to be this big reveal. And it's like, uh, I mean, well, at this point, you don't really know anything about Tyrannus. They briefly mentioned him earlier in the movie. It's not going to be that exciting. But you'll be like, oh, okay, I guess I knew that. But yeah, it's not so much. I mean, the line is super lame. Um when Count Dooku says, I bring you good news, my lord. The war has begun. Like, ooh, I did that thing you asked. <laughs> Started a war. Yeah, um, right. But yeah, it, it is uh, the first time we see that he is working with Palpatine and that this war was 100% constructed by Palpatine. Uh, so you do and get to also, see that. they're talking about Anakin. He's like, the boy will join us. The force is with us, Master Sidious. Welcome home, Lord Tyrannus. You have done well. I have good news for you, my lord. The war has begun. Excellent. Everything is going as planned. So already Dooku is a fool to Sidious, who is already preparing to just wipe away Count Dooku as soon as he has Anakin in his clutches. Uh, But with that in mind... He did not have any foresight at all. (laughs) With that in mind, isn't it... Isn't it kind of strange that that Sidious isn't more angry with Dooku for dismembering Anakin? Like you'd think he'd be like, "Don't harm that that precious uh, entity." Um, that's a good point. However, at the same that's time, that's my cargo. No, that's that is a good point. Um, he probably it, it, Sidious still has to take a take no mercy approach. Um, yeah, it's almost like you can't show uh, the you can't show one of the regular employees that you favor another employee more, uh, <laughs> that they get special treatment. You just have to keep that between you and them. 
Um, right. I don't know. Something like that. Um, I, I think it was, Dooku has played like a fool the entire goddamn time. Uh, he really I, is. And yet he's pretty cool. Yeah, he is. And I really think uh, it would be, I would love a story, uh, a novel of um, Dooku and Qui-Gon and just to learn more about him and to understand his motivations a little bit more. Um, even to get it as maybe told as like a flashback style, uh, so you could get some of his perspectives as to what the fuck he thought he was doing during the Clone Wars and what he thought the end result was going to be. I know it's mentioned in some books, and I think it's been mentioned a lot in some Legends books. Uh, I think he was promised certain roles that weren't necessarily as Sith-based. I think he was uh, as keen. And he also had intentions of turning on Palpatine too, but... Palpatine knew that, and I mean, he yeah, he didn't seem all that smart in the long run. No, no, I guess not, not really. Yeah, and the look of shock when in the next movie Palpatine says, "Do it," and he's just like, <laughs> "Oh my god, I didn't see this coming." How could you do that to me, boss? Yeah, want to do through uh, some take backs? Yeah, okay, well, I mean, we're, I was kind of getting to, to Yoda's part of the duel next, and sure. that oh, is, sorry. like, my big take back. Like, oh, we as, about, yeah. is, No, that, that's okay, because, like, it's obviously kind of a big moment, and probably as a child, I thought it was pretty cool, and now, in hindsight, I just hate that they pulled it out. Like, they kind of blew their load. It was, I thought, because there's, there's really are three distinct fights there. Uh, he doesn't go up against two at once. He fights, An he fights Obi-Wan, and then Anakin, and then Yoda, I thought the Obi-Wan fight was actually pretty good. I thought it was pretty well choreographed, yeah, and I thought it was like it was engaging. It was a good little lightsaber fight. Uh, it wasn't over the top. I thought the Anakin one was a little stupid. It was super fast, and it was just a lot of posturing. And the Yoda one is super, super stupid. The Force it's fight, too much. the Force fight is dumb too. The lightning, it's better though. The lightning and Yoda throwing the lightning back, and Dooku ripping down the ceiling. That's cool. But like when yeah. Dooku's throwing like little like fire extinguishers off the wall at Yoda, it's like, <laughs> what the fuck do you think you're doing, Dooku? Do you really think this is going to mess with Master Yoda? Like this is yeah. no problem at all. He's going to later like be able to, with pretty much ease, just move that gigantic pillar out of the way. He can move the fire extinguisher. It's a classic blunder of every bad guy in Star Wars of thinking they can go up against the toughest good guy of all time. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't... It, it, and he, he's really arrogant about it, too. He thinks his new dark side powers, he's just like, ah, I'm finally better than my... And he goes right to the lightsaber because he does know that his strength is with the lightsaber, but apparently Yoda put on some extra moves said, that he had never shown he, Dooku before. He says it outright. He says, I've become more powerful than any Jedi, even you. Yeah. He kind of sneers it. Yeah, well, he's wrong on that one because there's a definitely a handful of Jedi more powerful at this point. <laughs> what else do you want to take back? Because there are definitely some things. Um, well, I, w I don't necessarily want to take this one back because I don't think there's anything left to take back, but Padme's shirt just disappeared between these two 20s. <laughs> And like, yeah, that's true. It was scratched before, but now there's like almost nothing left of this shirt. Right. And it, it's been 30 minutes. Yeah. It's just, just ridiculous. Um, also, when Anakin tells, when they're in the chopper and Anakin tells um, the, the captain to, or the pilot to blow up a fuel cell or something. Aim right above the fuel cell. 
good call, my young Padawan from Obi-Wan. It's, it's the worst. It's the worst bad. acting. I have after that, all of the acting in the chopper <laughs> is mm. bad. There's one line from Obi-Wan that's okay. We have a job to do! I don't care! Put the ship down! You will be expelled from the Jedi Order! I can't leave her! Come to your senses! What do you think Padme would do with she in your position? I feel like sometimes Ewan McGregor was like still in his Moulin Rouge headspace. <laughs> he was like really having a hard time being in an action movie. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Padme's fall uh, out of the out of the chopper and onto the sand was kind of corny. And then when she wakes yeah. up and she gets back up and she's just raring to go again, I thought that was a little much. It was a little like, oh, wow, you woke up pretty quick and became pretty lucid uh, i thought yeah. yoda, i thought yoda's cgi was particularly shitty not even just in the duel but of him uh whereas so much of the rest of the cgi was awesome um, well this is the first time they'd ever done it yeah well i mean to this extent on this mass extent but it's like some of the droid attacks and it's just it's it was in the clones it's it's pretty impressive so i had actually cgi as both a take back and and a winner for the 20 um another thing i want to take back is count dooku's crotch rocket <laughs> his speeder it's so is silly. super lame yeah he's so tiny he just escapes in this little thing somebody would have picked him off in no time yeah yeah that one is pretty lame um, and and the last thing i want to take back is not so much the wedding but the kissing at the wedding which is like two people who've never kissed anyone or anything or even seen a kiss or heard of a kiss before <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's pretty bad the, like, we the wedding <laughs> and Padme's wearing like a doily on her head and yeah it's yeah it's, it's pretty it's pretty bad um and they have no human witnesses just droid witnesses and a whole i man. know um i know it's yeah it's pretty lame uh, although well planned on Anakin's part in terms of if you need to have a secret getaway marriage, you timed it well um, <laughs> right before the war. Uh, why? Uh, and also, why did he run at Dooku? You're going to pay for all the Jedi that you killed today, Dooku. We'll take him together. You're going slowly on the left. Taking him now. now. No, Anakin, no! No! Why in the world would he have done that? Like, listen yeah, to Obi-Wan. Your impatience, you deserved to lose the arm a few minutes later for that dumbass move. Right, but the character is impatient. Yeah, but it was really stupid. It was, <laughs> however, Luke is really impatient too, so it, it does it does align, but that was a really stupid one. Yeah, I'd say... Uh, oh, Duke was also his weird sail ship at the end and the creepy droid captain that drives him to meet Sidious. Uh, I don't like the droid captain, but I like that ship. The like rose gold thing with the big sail on the front. Nah, I thought that I, it was very regal, but I thought it was creepy looking. It reminded me too much of a moth, and there's been too many insectoid <laughs> things in this fucking movie. Oh my god! It is kind of it's kind of watery. It looks like a like a boat more than anything. Yeah, oh, very much. It's it's supposed to be like a sailboat. Um, do you want to do some trivia? Yeah, sure. Uh, I was going to say that's the end of my uh, of my take backs. I, I don't really have a, a Padawan question. I really, all my questions are too hard to be Padawan questions. That's uh, fair. I, I, really, had to, I, I had struggled to, with Padawan. I, I had to dig kind of deep, but I, I have faith in you. Padawan question for you. What Star Wars actor not in this film was Christopher Lee very good friends and often seen partners with? 
Alec Guinness? No, that's a good guess. Mm, that was right. Oh, um, is it Peter Cushing? It is Peter Cushing. Yeah, they were like pals. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm just trying to think of the era and the age. But they're with theater guys, really, I think, too. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Well, let's face it. Christopher Lee was an everything guy. He threw. He like released a punk rock album at 88 or something crazy. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, like, yeah. He was something else. He was total badass. And uh, yeah, that makes sense to be friends with another badass like Peter Cushing. Padawan question, uh, which arm and at what spot was Anakin's arm chopped off? I believe it was the the right arm and it was like above the elbow. Like it was a substantial portion of the arm. It was at the elbow uh, and it was the right arm. Yes. I thought so. Yeah. Because I can picture his like skeletal gold hand at the wedding, which is like, I understand technology might not be as advanced as like the, the artificial flesh that Luke gets in Empire Strikes Back or yeah, I guess it's Empire Strikes Back. Um, but man, it's so gross. Well, um, I guess you're not going to get my night question probably. <laughs> uh, what's the name? Of Ana- what's the name of Anakin's fake arm? It has a name or what's it called? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. The gripper 5,000. <laughs> uh, it's actually has a really cool backstory that I didn't know. It's called the Mechno, the Mechno arm. Um, and Anakin, he like, he personally designed it and oversaw its, uh, creation. And over time he upgraded it. And like, so it, it was like a custom built, uh, arm. Um, the, the Mechno arm sounds like something you would buy from an infomercial, like the slap chop. That's super funny. <laughs> uh, and also, because uh, I, I looked into it as well, Luke's was cybernetics, so it had become a more mainstream technology uh, at that point. So Anakin, because he was such a good mechanic, that's the reason why he was able to get as good of an arm as he did. And it was also mm. insanely powerful. Like that's it was he built essentially the sa- the same arm for himself with Vader, or they mirrored the sa- his other one for his other for his Vader suit later on because. Like that, the intense grip, the ability to crush throats. So I guess I never even thought about how he would be physically stronger because of his robotic nature. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, On Wikipedia, they said that some Jedi saw him as being slightly less human and somewhat soulless for his mechanical apparatuses. But Anakin just thought it was great that he had something to tinker with at all times. So slightly less soulless because he wasn't all organic. He was he was losing some of his um, his empathy. Um, well, not so much that, um, and it is true in the sense that he's lost some of his force abilities. I mean, Darth Vader can't use force lightning because he doesn't have arms. That's right. And you reach out with the force with your mind. It was actually I have to say this, and this is a bit of a tangent, but uh, Heir to the Jedi. Uh, I just finished that, and although that book gets some crap. There were some really cool things I learned about it through like the force and such. Like they, they really dive deep into explaining certain things and like reaching out with the force and explaining like what the hand gesture means. And that apparently the hand gesture in, in when using the force, like the way that Obi-Wan would, like these aren't the droids you're looking for. Um, how it works is when clearing your mind that you're willing the force to do what you're asking it to do. But because your mind is so cleared and your body, when you're naturally willing something to do it, you're doing a force and a pushing motion 
that your hands just naturally are kind of guided with the force, that as you're just trying to do that, it's just kind of a natural impulse. So it's not, doesn't have any impact, but it's an impulse. So even little things like that, whereas Anakin, if he were to do, say, a mind trick on somebody, he wouldn't even need to do his arm. And like he, would, he wouldn't have the impulse to move his arm. And so weird things like oh. that. Um, that I just, I kind of tied it all back together with when I was reading that little Wikipedia bit. So I thought that was kind of cool. That is cool. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, also just on a little bit of tangent with that book, um, Discovering Force Abilities. Uh, Luke spent a good chunk of the book uh, trying to learn how to move noodles and forks with his mind. <laughs> <laughs> noodles. Well, he wanted to do something that was really easy and required little movement. So a, a wet noodle on the table he was, was the very first thing he was able to move with his mind. It makes a lot of sense. It reminds me of when surgeons are training and so they practice like uh, sutures on an orange. Yeah, exactly. And so I just I thought it was really cool. And for that reason, like the storyline of the book, is eh. but uh, it had enough great nuggets that it was a very fun read for a Star Wars fan. A night question for you, which could also be a master question. Uh, there are four correct answers. If you get any of them, I will be impressed. Okay. Uh, wow. What 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 military ranks do the clone troopers' color trims mean? Oh, good question. Hard, hard, hardcore clone uh, Clone Wars fans definitely know these. Um, there are four of them. Oh, I know the colors. I know we have yellowish, goldish. Um, there's blue, there's red, and there's green, I believe. Correct. Yep. Um, yellow is, um, commander. Yep. Uh, blue is captain. Nope. Damn. Blue is lieutenant. Um, is red is captain. Red is captain. Okay. Uh, and green is admiral no admiral Sarge, would be in, sergeant yeah okay yeah admiral would be in a uniform yeah no you did pretty good i mean you got yeah, all the i got, I got, got, I got, got one colors. so <laughs> yeah that's pretty good um, okay and uh master you, question yeah go for it okay this is kind of just a, a lore thing but i found it pretty pretty fun what did george lucas do to poke fun at christopher lee during the filming of the duel scene with yoda Oh, I don't know. The um, did he like uh, get those? What are they called? Um, like those ribbon things, and just kind of like because he was just twirling around with a stick, and there was no one else he was fighting with. <laughs> um, kind of. They they so they obviously they had CGI'd Yoda. Yeah, but they created a model Yoda. Um, <laughs> to shoot with and it looked like yoda except it had dracula teeth because <laughs> christopher lee had played count dracula that's funny and isn't it kind of funny that he played count dracula and count dooku and both guys kind of are ominous and wear capes yeah no that's probably i'm sure george lucas didn't have to stray that far on that one he was like oh i like this design i'm gonna just go with this <laughs> yeah exactly uh okay my master question what is the name uh, of the preceding class of starship that the Star Destroyers are in this movie. Oh, I I don't even know. What's the Star Destroyer the, called so, before the Star Destroyer? Did we see those in this 20? 
Yep, it's at the very end. They're taking off above uh, the clones as Palpatine right. and Bail Organa look out. I don't know. Uh, it is an acclimator, a class assault ship. Less cool name. It's definitely less cool name. <laughs> Although assault ship is kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of those, I would assume. Um, any other kind of notes on the 20? Not really a whole lot of other observations. Another cool uh, Attack of the Clones factoid I learned is that uh, this movie is the only main timeline Star Wars movie that pans up after the the crawl. All I of the other ones pan one. down. That's interesting. It's this Attack of the Clones and also Rogue One does it. Yeah, Rogue One's... I am definitely a fan of what Solo did for uh, crawl substitution. Don't like what Rogue One was, where it was just nothing. I don't know. It kind of felt like if you're going to give us what they did in Solo, just give us a crawl. Um, I don't know. I thought it had a, a, a slightly less epic nature to it. More of like, here's yeah. the story of a little nook and cranny in the galaxy. Um, right. Okay. Whereas the crawl is so saga-esque. I don't know. Uh, they they have used the crawl for like a bunch of other shit like video games and um, like TV shows and uh, such in the past. Yeah, so. TV shows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just another note here: Dooku's uh, lightsaber hilt is such a cool design. The the curved handle, one of the most unique handles for sure. That it's it's kind of made to look like I guess it's made to look like a scimitar. Um. Yeah, I like guess. A rapier. Um. I think it's. Well, he, his entire fighting design with a lightsaber is meant to be very um, proper and um, almost like a fencing style. Uh, yes. So I, I think it's kind of, I'm sure there's maybe a sword in that category that it mirrors. Uh, but yeah, I guess something like that. Okay, we should get to the news, I guess. Um, yeah, I just wanted to kind of make two more notes, uh, just on okay. kind of key things from the 20. Uh, the red holograms of the Death Star, just wanted to make note yeah. of those, just because it's amazing how the holograms back then were even more accurate than the ones that they use in A New Hope. So, <laughs> Well, and not just that, like, you had mentioned last week that they are working on the Death Star in this movie, and that it's pretty uh, subtle that they're they're talking about that. But he does show a little hologram of how he is transferring the plans of the Death Star. So this is a yet another Star Wars movie that involves the uh, the moving of Death Star uh, blueprints. They should have put it in that creepy droid. You're right. <laughs> no one uh, would look there. Yeah, no. I also just wanted to make note of the the she would do her duty line from Anakin. Mm. Just because I thought it had a lot of kind of impact later on on the way he feels betrayed by her in the sense that he continues to do his duty and he expects her to do the same and that is stay loyal to the Republic because he believes that's what is his primary duty, whereas her duty is to the people of the Republic. and Right, to rebel. Exactly. And his duty was not to the Jedi Order. It was to Palpatine and the Republic. And that kind of blind faith that he follows by following kind of a creed that Padme has that Obi-Wan is kind of putting on Anakin, but then like, think of what she would do. And he does, and he never stops, and then kills her when she goes against what he thought she should be standing for. <laughs> so it's kind of sad, really. It, it really is. He he like it's almost like she brings him into the like Obi-Wan's like, oh, yeah, go off, jo like, uh, 
join their weird cults or something. Although no one would ever say <laughs> that. Uh, and then he's the one who goes insane and she gets out. And then he kills her in the process. That was a terrible example. Never mind. Cut no, that. but I hear you. That's it's a good observation. Yeah, yeah. It was, that was kind of the last little bit I wanted to mention there. Uh, there's not a whole lot in the got. news, but uh, we can quickly go through this. Okay. Um, one little bit of shitty episode nine rumors, meaning there's no credibility to them at all. But I just wanted to make note of it because it aligns with something that I had as a hope slash prediction. Uh, and that would be that Ray's lightsaber will be unstable, is the rumor. Uh, okay. and, and it'll be uh, just a, a redesign of the Graflex with a slight cross guard styling to it. Uh, the design comparison is a Claymore, uh, which is a kind of sword. So it has kind of a cross guard, but the cross guard is slightly pointed upwards, almost like, a, tri right. almost like a triad a little bit, but in a very, cool. like the... I guess the centerpiece being obviously significantly longer and the sides just being minor. Uh, so that could be that could be a cool design if that's indeed the, uh, the way it is. I think that would look awesome and I like the way it mirrors them. Um, I like it. I think it's very unlikely she's going to have a double-bladed lightsaber. I know some people talk about that and I can see why she'd probably be good with one, but I don't think you want to bet money on it. No, I don't think anymore. I thought there was a good chance for a while, but I'm pretty convinced now that it is going to be some version of the Graflex or without a doubt, at least some version of um, that crystal. I will be honestly, like if we see a trailer, they just like randomly drop a trailer and the lightsaber she has in it is a different color than blue, I will be dumbfounded. I will be blown away. And, and not in a bad way by any means, but I'm definitely expecting it to be made from that crystal. Yeah, why? and why wouldn't it be? Yeah, I mean, it would be nice if we saw maybe other lightsabers or another lightsaber in this movie besides... Um, two unstable ones and two ones that we've seen before. It'd be nice if we saw maybe a new lightsaber and maybe yeah. a, an old planet, <laughs> something like that. Right. I'll give me some comparisons yeah. like those, but uh, I don't know. That's your grown-up Christmas list. Yeah, exactly. That is my uh, my adult <laughs> Christmas list for Star Wars wishes. Um, and kind of the last little piece of news is, uh, or sorry, there's a couple other pieces, uh, but one of the the main one was that the room the remaining main cast was released for The Mandalorian. That's uh, right. So uh, Pedro Pascal was confirmed finally as the titular character. He is The Mandalorian. Um, and he's joined by Gina Carano, who we knew was going to be in it, uh, and as well as Carl Weathers, who we knew, uh, and Nick Nolte, who we knew. Uh, the, yeah. The new people who were released were Werner Herzog with the... Uh, He's like a, an old-time uh, filmmaker. He's been around for a long time. I think he's in his 80s. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's a legend. Yeah. So like that was that's an interesting get for the show as an actor. Sure. And since, I'm into it, though. Yeah, I think it's cool. And the one that has me absolutely so insanely excited is Giancarlo Esposito, who was from Breaking Bad and played Gus. So... Oh yeah, I'm insanely excited for that, and I don't care what he's, he plays. If he's a villain, he was an amazing villain in Breaking Bad. If he's not a villain, he's an amazing actor, and it wouldn't matter. He'll be amazing in this. And uh, there's also Emily Swallow. Um, I'm forgetting right now which show she was in. Um, I forget. Uh, some Supernatural, maybe something like that. Something with okay. Something I don't know who that with is. Superpowers. 
and also Omid Abtani, who I don't know what I know him from. And I've gone through his IMDb and I don't know what it is, but I feel like I've seen this guy in like a dozen things, but I don't know which one is the thing that I recognize him from. Uh, he has a lot of those character actors. Yeah, he's uh, he, he just he's he looks like he belongs in the Star Wars galaxy, and apparently Great. he was super excited. So the two things that are the most important in Star Wars casting, aside from of course the ability to act, um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, the yeah. uh, the Darth Maul uh, version of uh, Age of the Republic comics was released. Uh, Obi Wan is going to be next week. So are you following that? Uh, I haven't been keeping up on them in terms of uh, in terms of reading them, but uh, I've been kind of following some of the storylines a little bit. I'm gonna I'm trying to tease myself a little bit through as to whether or not I'm just gonna dive deep in and buy them all before episode nine if I think there's potential lead-ins or if I it's something I can just wait until they're all released and can just buy a book that has the entire series of all the stories together. Oh, they'll definitely have that for they, sure. They definitely will. It's just a matter of if I feel these stories will have any lead-ins to episode nine, I will want to read them beforehand. But okay, I don't, is that I don't all the think news? they will. Uh, yeah, that's all the news. Okay, I want to wish a couple of happy birthdays. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Mace Windu's birthday is Friday, December 21st. He's a Christmas oh. baby. Yeah. Happy uh, birthday. Hugh Corshi. Hugh who played Captain Panaka in The Phantom Menace. His birthday is the next day, Saturday the 22nd. Good old Korsh um, Panaka. Well, maybe not that good old, especially since you're really into people being excited about being in Star Wars movies. I read today, do you know why he wasn't in Attack of the Clones? Actually, yeah, he was a jerk about The Phantom Menace. He was kind of a dick about it. He, uh, well, I don't know about that exactly, but like they were probably going to kill him off early on anyway. And he asked for a copy of the full script and they wouldn't give him one. And so he just dropped out. He's like, fine, I'm not doing your dumb movie. God. And that's so weird. Sorry, buddy. That was not a good decision. You do not matter enough to get your own like full copy of the script. No, not at all. I mean, look at the talk that they're having that. Mark Hamill has to have somebody wait outside his door and can't have it overnight. Fucking yeah, Mark Hugh Hamill. Qu Hugh Quarshy, you're not going to. Sorry, buddy. Nope. Uh, and then the other birthday is a little ways off, uh, but we're not going to be back in the meantime. Diego Luna uh, has a birthday on Saturday, December 29th. So now, he's almost a New Year's baby. Now, he is a huge Star Wars fan. So happy birthday, Diego Luna. Uh, and so I guess that's kind of it for uh, 2018. We're done with season five. We're done with the Attack of the Clones. We're going to be yep. back with episode three, Revenge of the Sith, in the new year. So watch your feeds. In the meantime, if you have any feedback on this episode or any other you'd like to send along, you can email us at recorder66podcast at gmail.com or tweet at recorder66. Uh, rate and review on iTunes. Uh, all upvotes, please, because positivity is better than negativity. Have a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. And... Uh, uh, in all of your celebrations, may the force be with you.